I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. I think that's where the journey begins ultimately is with the question. The core question, it's almost cliche at this point, is like, well, who am I and why am I here, right? But those are ultimately the catalyst questions that have us step onto a path of self-inquiry. You know, we use this concept, the full fuck yes. The full fuck yes is really a place of discernment. It's, it's easy to identify when you're in that kind of feeling. And when something's a no, it's really easy. That was Azria and Benjamin Becker. And they are the co-founding stewards of Becoming with a Q. They're coaches and authors and just plain cool, visionary people. It's cool to be able to have conversations with other coaches who are developing their own paradigms to help people move, evolve, do the things that they say that they want to do, achieve the type of life that they want. And it's at the very heart of this podcast to help people in that direction. In this conversation, we talk about how you know when you're ready to make a massive change in your life. How can you build a new operating system for your life? This is stuff that we don't learn in school, but is so important to know. And the dynamic between the two of them from their very different backgrounds is really interesting because they have lots of ideas that I think are appropriate for a lot of different people. Super fun conversation with these two today, and I'm excited to release it to you. You can find them at becoming.me and it's B-E-Q-O-M-I-N-G. You can also find me, Sean McCormick, on Instagram at RealSeanMcCormick. I tend to have a lot more opinions over there if you wanna go deep with me on Instagram. (laughs) I welcome you. I'm so excited to release this. I'm so excited to be able to continue to release podcasts like these every single week that will enrich your life. Please do me the favor of sharing this with someone that you think might need to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, Azria and Benjamin Baker. Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. And I'm here with Benjamin and Azria Becker, co-founding stewards of Becoming, and that's Becoming with a Q. Welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks for, Thanks having, for us. having us, brother. I'm excited to do this because I don't usually do, I don't think you're the first couple partnership that I've interviewed, uh, and rarely do I do you know, two, two guests at the same time. So this is, this is exciting for me, and I'm looking forward to exploring this dynamic. One, I'm just going to start with a big, hairy question, and either of you can answer this however you like, but what is your mission? Yeah, I mean, our mission, I guess there's the, there's like the, the, the bird's eye mission, which is ultimately to transition humanity from fear to love, which is like the very zoomed out, very meta expression of the, of the mission. And then the more tangible, practical application of that mission is our our platform, Becoming, offers transformational tools, media, and experiences to people who are wanting to awaken to their full spectrum of aliveness. Mm-hmm. Well said. <laughs> uh, tell me, tell me a little bit more about the the tools, platforms, and events. Obviously, the book the book is a part of that, but tell me a little bit more about what what people can get into. Yeah, I, the, we have the book. We have two documentaries in the pipeline. Uh, there's a whole media as medicine component. Um, those are all kind of stip, uh, tip of the spears. Um, and then the heart of everything that we're doing is the becoming process. And we have a six-month coaching program where we take people on a really deep dive. Uh, and over that six months, they uh, build a new operating system for their life. They literally walk away with a 200-page deck that they've built over that six-month period uh, where they walk away with, uh, you know, kind of a new way of showing up in the world. And we have, we've built that for two different archetypes. One is basically who I was five or 10 years ago, super successful entrepreneurial kind of made it in the, the, you know, traditional sense of the word, uh, had a lot of material success, but really feeling unfulfilled and lacking in purpose. And the other archetype is basically who Azria was five or 10 years ago, which is somebody who's just kind of super heart open, wanted to have impact, but hasn't have it, <clears throat> excuse me, but hasn't necessarily uh, manifested that in the 3D and needs help to kind of manifest her dreams into reality. Uh, and so those are two different um, kind of buckets. One is becoming stewards and the other one is becoming allies. 
I dig it. As a coach, it's often really hard to help people take that first step, right? Where in the hell do I start? You know, you can ask a question like, what's important to you? What's important to you? What are your values? You can do exercises around value creation. You can, you can tweak habits so that their body and their brain and their stress level can, can keep up and be attuned to who they want to become. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the potential of walking away from a six-month process with a 200-page deck it's sort of taken or, or, or maybe borrowed or integrated with, with a, uh, like a really professional feel. Uh, so I'm curious about if you can give us just a little taste of what the first freaking step is for someone who's like, man, I know I want to change. I know I want to grow, but I just have no idea where to start. Yeah. So the two programs that Benjamin mentioned are for people who are already a little bit further down the path of personal transformation than that, they're not like right at the very beginning. We actually are creating a program for, for that category of human as well. Um, but I think for someone who's like really, really just brand new to this concept of like, I could do inner work and change my lens on reality. Uh, I think, you know, the reason that we put the cue right smack in the middle of the becoming is because it represents questions and the path of becoming is really defined by the willingness to ask the essential questions. Mm. And so I think that's where the journey begins ultimately is with, with the question, you know, the core question, it's almost cliche at this point is like, well, who am I and why am I here? Right. But those are ultimately the catalyst questions that, that, that have us step onto a path of, of self-inquiry and, um, and sometimes the question isn't that existential right off the bat. Maybe the question is, hey, why am I waking up with anxiety every morning? Why can't I seem to feel inspired and passionate about my job? Why am I looking at my spouse through a lens of judgment and criticism when I actually really love this person, but I can't seem to open my heart to them, right? There, there's a lot of very nuanced questions that can catalyze our path of becoming. For some people, a lot of people, ourselves included, there's generally a pretty intense moment of awakening that occurs that is usually some kind of rock bottom moment and there's a spectrum of course right for some people it, it's it's more subtle for us it was more on the extreme side i smashed my 500 dollars lincoln town car into a fire hydrant going 50 miles an hour blackout drunk like that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening um benjamin got involved in a really nasty lawsuit that was really just a huge shattering of his entire identity as a, as a savvy businessman. Like that was his kind of real rock bottom moment, but whatever it is for whoever's listening to this and, and resonating, like it doesn't matter whether it's subtle or extreme, there comes a tipping point, I think, mm. where the choice to stay the same is just, is, is no longer tolerable. Mm. And when, when you're at that point, I think and you're, you're, even if you have no idea how to begin, but you're just in the intention and the willingness to receive whatever the next step is, it will find you. Your becoming mm -hmm. path will find you because you're, you know, the universe wants you to evolve. Your soul is here as your ally going, saying, hey, like, let's do the work. Let's get in there. Let's start to feel the things we haven't wanted to feel. And let's get clear about our purpose. And so I think it's really about, yeah, creating the, the spaciousness for that next step to reveal itself. Hmm. Yeah, I would say the starting point is really listening. Like there's a deeper knowing within all of us that is 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 telling you something and you just have to listen well enough to to, you know, remove the noise, get in a quiet place, but really listen. Your your internal compass is is pointing you in the right direction, but you just have to have to listen and it's not so easy. <laughs> yeah, that's really great to hear the the two the two stories of that sort of catalyst for change uh, and there's, there's obviously so very different, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's really beautiful to be, to be thinking about, Oh, it could look this way or it could look this way. What about for folks who they may, they may be motivated to change. They may be called to some sort of greater service. They may have an inclination that, that they want to do something different than their, with their life and change their course how how do people know when they're ready and of course we can we can kind of think well only you can only that person can answer that but for folks who are like on on the fence either on the fence to engage with uh some sort of framework or want to start jogging or want to say i'm sorry to their spouse like how 
how, how might somebody know if they are ready to like really fully commit to, to major change in their life? I think I'd answer that by saying, you know, we use this concept, the full fuck yes. And the full fuck yes is really, you know, a place of discernment. Um, it's, it's easy to identify when, when you're in that kind of feeling and when something's a no, it's really easy, but I, we like to say the hardest no's to identify are the ones closest to a yes. And so I think it's, it's, it's the discernment to know when it's, it's a yes, or when it's a, it's an almost yes, that's actually a no. Uh, and so I think it goes back to what I said earlier. It's just, the, it's, it's getting really good at practicing and listening. Uh, and that often requires removing layers of fear and doubt and insecurities and all the distortion that we create in our lives. Um, but I, I think it's just cultivating a really good ear. Yeah. And I would add that you could argue that readiness is a choice. You're as ready as you choose to be. And even if you aren't feeling fully ready, even if, if you feel almost ready, but not quite ready, take a first step in any direction, you know, mm -hmm. sign up for any program, go to mm -hmm. any retreat, you know, go sit in the forest for a day and just listen to meditation music. I promise you like something will happen. Something will emerge from that. As long as you change the default pattern of your day to day, right? If there's some form of pattern interrupt that is not just happening internally, but also externally that can really support like changing your environment, doing things you've never done before. Um, for me in the beginning, it was a lot of smoking weed and walking through neighborhoods in LA that I'd never been to before <laughs> and literally walking like three, four hours and listening to music and look practicing looking at the world through a lens of newness and freshness and really just interacting with my environment in a different way. Those were, this was all pre like, you know, me being fully ready and committed to my path, but it laid a foundation. So I definitely think that just shaking things up can really, can really be a thing. And also asking for support. Like if there's anyone in your life that you think is maybe even just half a step ahead of you in, in terms of spiritual or emotional maturity that you look up to, ask that person to have a conversation with you. You know, if you have some existential questions you want to run by that person, say, Hey, would you take 30 minutes and sit down with me? Uh, I'd like to just go deep for a second. You know, there's so many ways that we can break out of the box. A lot of times it's just the imagination that's missing to actually take that first step. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. You know, that <laughs> I, I can just, I can just feel people having this, like, oh, this relief that, that it can be as simple as walking around the neighborhood, smoking joints, listening to good music like that, that in and of itself is different enough from your daily, whatever stuff you've got going to just change the pace, change the tenor, get out of that default mode. I, I, I freaking love that. I love that. Uh, I want, I want to speak a little bit to the idea of asking for help because that that's a hard thing to do, especially for men. Uh, and, um, oftentimes for people who are going through something that's uncomfortable or they're itching to change or almost ready, they're just, uh, I just don't know where to, where to start. They'll turn to their loved ones, right? They'll, they'll turn to their, their mother, their cousin, their brother, their best friend from high school. And what I found in my experience is that oftentimes more than not, those folks aren't particularly qualified to help you grow into the person that you want to become, right? Like they love you. They want to support you hopefully. And hopefully they're doing that without judgment and there's not animosity or, you know, uh, competition between you, but your mom knows how to love you and, and, but maybe doesn't know how to help you. So as far as asking someone who's a step further uh, or half a step further on the process for help, uh, how, how do you, how do you, what are your thoughts on, you know, asking your shitty college friend, uh, to have an existential question who may not be capable of actually helping you? Well, I think one of the things to take into consideration is, is if they love you, um, there's probably an attachment from their perspective to the person you are or were. Mm. And so the idea of you changing in a dramatic way probably won't appeal to them. So if you go to your mom and you, you know, you want to, she loves you just the way you are and you like want to reinvent yourself she's probably not going to be very supportive because of that attachment to, to who you were, that identity, number one. And then number two is sometimes, not all the time, 
but sometimes the people closest to us uh, might not be ready to do their own work. And then you become a very stark reflection. And so if they see you really evolving, then that's a very conf confrontational to them. And so a lot of times, yeah, I've certainly felt this, um, sometimes the people closest to you don't really resonate with the person you're wanting to become uh, because either one, there's an attachment to the, who you were and they like that version of you. Yeah. Uh, I have friends that call me, you know, Ben point 1.0 versus 2.0 and they want 1.0 back. And I'm like, he died. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, also, you know, you have friends that, or family that um, don't want the reflection because if you're doing mm. the work and, you know, you used to resonate with them on the same level and you do the work and you start viewing the world and yourself differently through a different lens, uh, then it puts the onus on them to like question whether they should be doing the work. And a lot of times their own fears are keeping them um, kind of small. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, just be really discerning with who you go, think about it, um, who you reach out to through that lens. And also look for people who are embodying qualities that you are aspiring to, you know, activate and, and expand within yourself. So there's, you know, a lot of times those won't necessarily be people that you know very well or intimately. Um, but but there's plenty of inspiring humans in the world, you know, <laughs> and, and there's, that's the beautiful thing. Like for me, just to give a tangible example, when I first started on my, really seriously started on my path and I had that tipping point moment where I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm all in, I'm as committed as I can be to really unraveling my whole identity and choosing a different path and stepping into a new expression of myself. And it was terrifying. And I really didn't have any support. I came out of a very profound ayahuasca ceremony. And I was just like this, everything that I thought I was, was just turned on its head. And I, it was really pretty intense, you know, to, to come out of such an expansive experience where everything felt so crystal clear and then go back into my normal day-to-day -day reality and all of a sudden be like, whoa, 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 I don't, I don't even know how to make these changes. I have no support system. I don't, mm. like the integration was really challenging, but it was through continuing to set the intention that I started to attract people into my life that could guide me. I started to attract very serendipitous and synchronistic you know, connections with people that came through all sorts of avenues. Sometimes it was someone I met in line at Starbucks, you know, or it was like <laughs> someone reaching out on Facebook that I hadn't spoken to in seven years who became my coach and my mentor. Um, there were so many examples of, it's like, you don't have to know. You don't necessarily have to have the perfect person lined up to go to. If your intention is strong and your question is, is alive and you are holding the space to receive, something will show up very quickly, usually. So um, it's a lot of it is trust, yeah. right? Trusting that when I'm really ready, there's that beautiful saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Um, and it's really, in my experience, very true. So how, will, how do you know you're ready? Well, the universe will give you the opportunity to, to prove your readiness. Yeah, oh, every, every word, it's, it's so beautiful. I think you're right, I think you're right. When you think you might be ready, you'll, f the, the universe will provide you with little breadcrumbs. Like, exactly. Oh, you'll see a flyer, you know, for a talk you'll, you know, that, you know, there's just so many examples. Um, you know, one, one thing that, that I found really helps is, uh, you know, for people who maybe live in small towns, obviously the internet connects us in, in one way, but, but not maybe in uh, always in the most, uh, most profound ways, but like, what I found is it's usually like a friend of a friend that you think like, man, I really, there's something about them that I really dig. And I don't know, I can't quite sure what it is, how they speak or how they show up in the world or how they've decided to raise their family or whatever. But like, yeah, it's a friend of a friend, like hook me up with so-and-so. Cause I want to just like go to coffee with them mm -hmm. and, and <laughs> right. What, thoughts on that? Well, I was just going to say also, there's another component is to, to be in the, uh, as you create more awareness within yourself, um, if you're, if you're not ready, what is the universe going to do? The universe, the benevolent universe we live in is going to give you more curriculum so that you can get ready. And so it, it's just going to keep giving you curriculum. And so either listen and say, Oh shit, I don't want any more curriculum. This is getting hard. Um, and, and, and create that readiness 
Um, and so just, I think that's also something if you, if you don't feel ready and the universe is just giving you curriculum, it's just trying to serve you. It's like, I'm going to beat you over the head until you <laughs> figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's also just a different perspective on it as well. Yeah. There's always more. There's, there's always more. There is no finish line. You know, even when you cross over, there's more, there's more after that you'll be back. There's more work to do. There's more lessons to learn. Going back to that same sort of idea, you know, when you're, when you're just about ready or you think that you're ready, you're open to change and your heart is open and your, your antenna are beginning to attune toward, uh, toward the next version, the next, you know, portion of your evolution. Oftentimes that's challenging when you're in a committed relationship, because how rare is it that, that you and your partner kids or no kids, dog, no dog, home or no home are at that same, that same sort of crux point. It's so, it's so rare. And, and I know that you work with lots of people who are all in ready to move, want to be of service, want to change their world. They want to get better everywhere. And their spouse is just not on board, just not with it. No, without judgment, but just not in the same place. So with your guys's sort of unique perspective on this is, uh, uh, what do you have advice for people who they want to get more fit? They want to get better sleep. They want to have less stress. They want to deepen their, their spiritual experience. They want to just like get better at, at being them. They want to be their best self, but their partner is not necessarily with them. Um, what do they do? I think the first thing is release attachment to their perspective being anything different than it currently is like, accept what is my partner doesn't, resonate with me doing X, Y, or Z. And I think um, not being in resistance to that and not wanting, not having an expect- expectation for them to feel different. And the other thing is, is if they are triggered in some way by this direction you're going in, then give them the privilege of that process they're in. Let, you know, we, we have the saying, trust the triggers to teach. They're triggered. So trust that that trigger is going to help them evolve. Um, but it's not your job to convince them of anything. It's not your job to change their perspective. Like, and they're not wrong and you're not wrong and you're not right. There's no wrong or right here. It's like, so let them have their space and their privilege. And eventually they'll either come along for the ride or they won't. But I think the suffering comes when we try and um, get force them to see things your way because you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so just remove the suffering from it all and just give them the privilege of their process and their perspective and, and, and own your own. Uh, and then, the, you know, things will work out however they're supposed to work out. I would say that, yeah, it's, I think be the invitation, be the living, breathing invitation for them to let your, let the catalyst of your transformation impact them and, and move them. And in my former relationship, which was almost 10 years long, where there was a tremendous amount of catalyzing each other to grow, we called it the slinky effect. And the metaphor was if, you know, if you think of a relationship, like two ends of a slinky, that's the two people in the relationship. And then one person starts moving forward, you're tethered, right? So the other person has a choice. Either they not only move forward, but they move beyond, and then they become the one that pulls you forward. Mm -hmm. Or... If they don't move and they just stay stuck, you either stay stuck with them or you keep moving and eventually the slinky breaks. <laughs> so I think, yes, I, I agree. You know, of course, non-attachment is the space in which there's freedom for the other person to authentically choose something. But if the person really is just stagnant and not wanting to move forward in their development, as Benjamin said, they're not wrong, but they may be wrong for you. <laughs> And that's okay too. And not every relationship is meant to last forever. There are cycles to relationships. There are phases to relationships. There are soul contracts, I believe. Sometimes those soul contracts are, hey, we're meant to come together for a time and have these experiences and learn these lessons and be a mirror to these parts of ourselves that we couldn't see without the other. And now we're meant to move on into the next experience and say goodbye. And I think a big part of the pain in our culture is that we don't know how to let things die. We're so attached to things being a certain way. And this, this whole idea that if a relationship doesn't last forever, it was a failed relationship is I think a very toxic program that we run collectively versus saying, actually it was a very successful relationship for the time that it lasted. And then it was also time for it to successfully end. 
<laughs> you know? So I think, yeah, it's, it, you know, certainly wouldn't want people to sense to, to, to walk away from this feeling like, oh man, my partner doesn't want to evolve and I should just be an acceptance of that. It's like, accept who they are and where they're at, but don't let it stunt you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all voluntary, right? They, they have, they have that free will to either take a cue participate support if they're toeing the water go with you to that one thing or you know pack your lunch for that seminar and support in that way and ask good questions i like that a lot a quick announcement from one of our sponsors and then right back into the episode do you feel like you're lacking that primal motivation drive and energy you used to have every year after puberty your growth hormone decreases sometimes by 50 percent by the age 35 and it only keeps going down from there it doesn't matter how in shape you are or how good your diet is, it's happening to all of us. Growth hormone decreases can cause chronic fatigue, body fat, low libido, poor sleep, so much more. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind 100% non-synthetic alternative growth hormone treatments. It immediately replaces what your body is no longer getting. And it does it naturally without needles or nasty side effects or expensive costs like typical synthetic growth hormone. BioPro Plus is not a synthetic drug, so it will not shut off natural production you still have. BioPro Plus is scientifically backed and 100% safe. If you go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP, you get $30 off your first purchase and any other purchases after that. I've been using BioProtein Plus for about a month and my workouts are better, I'm sleeping better, I have more energy and I've also been in a better mood lately, which is also really helpful in my life. Uh, if you go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP, you'll get $30 off. I wanna go back to questions because that's central to to what you guys are doing here. And this is not a fair question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Um, what's what's the most important question that that we should ask ourselves if we if we are ready and want to transform? I mean, we could easily tie this into the three stages of becoming. Mm. Um, we have this this framework, the three stages of becoming, and I won't flush it all out, but the first stage is really when you're you're in this place and it's kind of a maturation that happens, but you're in this place of, of what do I want? You know, it's a selfish kind of energy and, and it's, it's, it's not wrong. It's, it's how we evolve through our maturation process. And then some, maybe you're in relationship and you evolve into uh, a place where there's a mutual preference, right? I care about you and your preferences and you care about me and my preferences, but we still very much care about our own. And then the third stage of becoming uh, the question, the underlying question that you're guided by is what would love choose? And so beyond your preference and beyond my preference, what would love choose? And so when you're in this, when you're in this, that that's the kind of the goal is so when you're asking yourself, should I go down this road or that road, sit back and ask yourself beyond my partner's preference or, or whoever I'm engaged with and beyond my preference, what would the greater love choose? What would love choose? And when you're coming from that place, it's the truest place to come from. Um, and so I would say, if I had to say one question, I would say that that would be it. What would love choose? Hmm. Which will right. lead, of course, to a series of other questions, which is <laughs> what was what <is> love? <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe that's right. the first question before I can ask, what does love choose? Maybe I have to really ask myself, what does love mean to me? You know, because we're not just talking about a romantic love, we're talking about a like a capital L love that is all encompassing. It is the the universe's, it is that which the universe is made up of. Uh, the, the gravitational energy that holds all of creation together. And we like to think of it as like a honey substance. <laughs> um, so the third stage is is really about embodying the frequency of honey. And I think for those people who have had you know, maybe sort of peak experiences working with plant medicine or psychedelics, um, or even just meditation, breath work, different modalities that are helping them transcend out of just the normal daily state of consciousness. We catch glimpses of that state of that open hearted. I'm one with everything. There's not a care in the world. My mind is quiet. My heart is open. You know, that's sort of the space that we're describing when we talk about that universal capital L love. And you can cultivate a relationship with that state of being. And when you're making choices from that place, 
then your life starts to really rapidly transform. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you have that, that agape, that like, oh, wow, that like, whoa, this awe, this love and appreciation for the simplest things, you know, the light, your life gets more interesting, right? Like how, how you see the world changes and you can take joy in little things. And um, yeah, I, I, I like, I like that a lot. I think what's really interesting is you can start to actually relate to the painful parts of life with that same energy. Hmm. So you can find the awe and the, the wonder, even in the face of like pain or heartbreak, you can start to see even that side of the spectrum of the human experience as divine and perfect when you really embody that new sort of lens. And I think that's where things get really interesting because it's not about always being happy. I want to be really clear. That's not what the becoming journey for us is about. It's really about savoring the full spectrum of life, of death, of pain, of pleasure. It's like, it's all here for us to savor it. And when we don't resist it, especially the hard stuff, it does become blissful. Yeah. I think that's especially important now in, in the world because we, we turn to so many crutches and vices to sort of um, comb over or glaze over those intense emotions. I mean, how, how, cannabis, alcohol, Netflix, porn, you know, all of these things is like, I just want to avoid this malaise. I want to avoid this pain. I want to avoid this regret. I want to avoid, all, there's, there's so many options for us to find ways to sort of uh, avoid feeling the depths of those emotions, you know, let's just share something one really quickly. Like my best friend since kindergarten, um, who doesn't listen to my podcast, so I can, and, and I'll, I'll tell him to listen to this one, uh, you know, it has decided to, to uh, quit alcohol. You know, he's just, he's now, I think two months in and <laughs> he's texting me a lot. I mean, obviously life coach guy, you know, uh, he and I've had, you can imagine the conversations, um, and, and you can imagine the dynamic with me, like, come on, dude, like I want to help you, but I just don't know how. So now it's, you know, we're, he's two months in and he's doing great and he's got a long road ahead of him, but he's texting me way more than he usually does. And he's like, are we okay? Like, are things cool with us? Like, you know, I know there's some tension and, you know, get on the phone at night. Like, well, let, you know, let's, let's chat you know, have some tea and, and sit and talk. And he's just like, the, the emotions that I'm feeling are so visceral. It's like, it's hard for me to go to sleep at night. And I think part of it probably is, is the, is no more reliance on alcohol. But I think part of it also is that my mind is racing. I have all of these thoughts and feelings and emotions. Are, are you, are you and I okay, Sean? Like, did, you know, my daughter looked at me funny during bath time. What, what did she mean by that? You know, my, you know, like so many of these things and he's so close to it now and it's a lot, it's really overwhelming. And I just have so much, uh, I just have so much respect and appreciation for that process because he's in it, man. Like he is, he is deep. He doesn't need, he's done plant medicine with me before. He doesn't need it right now. He is in it. He is nine miles deep in this process. And so when you said, you know, that, that feeling of experiencing the whole range of human emotion is really visceral for him. Like, I, I wonder, you know, what your guys' thoughts are on that. Well, he should read our book. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that's what I've seen. I've coached a lot of people and, and I've seen in a lot of different walks of life. And there's very consistent common denominators. And one of the most prevalent common denominator that I see in humans, period, is that there's a lack of understanding and capacity to process emotional material. Mm. So emotion is what? It's energy in motion. When we repress and deny emotion, it doesn't go away. It gets stuck somewhere in the body. When you when you're using alcohol, for example, you're 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 using that as a way to not feel things, right? You're numbing yourself from feeling things, but that energy doesn't go away. So when you stop drinking, that's going to start to surface, and it's going to feel like a fucking avalanche, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a lot of energy starting to move through your system that has. It's like okay, well now I'm here to let you feel me, you know, and why does it want to be felt? Well, because it has profound gifts and lessons 
contained within it. But if you don't have the, the engine to process it, if you don't have the tools, if you don't have mm. the emotional container that you've built to be able to actually work with this energy, well, then it can feel really overwhelming and you can get, you know, you can go off the rails a little bit. So this is the key that is across the board always going to apply is like, and, and for a lot of people, that stuff is so far repressed that they don't even know it's there. And then maybe something happens, either some external experience or they initiate something like attending a ceremony and all of a sudden it's like, there it is. And now it's coming forward. We need to use the tools to help us process these things in our everyday life. And people are always looking for the new answer, right? The new fancy answer that's going to be like the, this is exciting way of doing things. But the reality is that the most basic tools are actually what get the job done best. Sitting in stillness, grounding, putting your feet on the earth, you know, journaling. If you don't want to write, speaking into a voice recorder and sharing what's coming through. But some sort of modality or engine that is processing this, this emotional material so that it doesn't just, you're not just sitting in it right? Because it can completely overtake you. And physical movement is also another really great way of, of shifting your energetic state. And especially when you marry it with consciousness, right? So you could have someone who's going to the gym every day, but they're not necessarily moving energy consciously and intentionally on the emotional plane. So from the outside, it might look the exact same, right? You have someone who goes to the gym every day and but there's still a lot of emotional stuff that's not being looked at. If they just set the intention before they went into that workout and said, hey, I'm feeling a bunch of shit. Let me consciously marry the feelings with the, with the movement and actually express and, and, and let the energy flow through me with the intention of releasing. They're going to walk out of that workout in a completely different space than they walked mm -hmm. in. For, from the outside looking in, it could be the exact same workout but it's the intention with which we do things that ultimately informs the end result. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah. Sit fast, wait, meditate, uh, walk. <laughs> but, and when you don't walk, walk with intention, use your body as a tool. And yeah. if you don't have, if you don't have frameworks, I, I'm just going to send him the book. If you don't have <laughs> frameworks, if you don't have insight, because that, that I think is, is, is a really hard part for people. And, and, and again, I think, especially for, for fellows who are so, uh, who, who just don't ask for help very well. It's like, well, I'll figure this out. It's like, well, with what, with what tools, man? Like yeah. what, what, what tools do you have? Like what happens when something gnarly, you know, comes up, you know, or, you know, how, all those different opportunities and, and lifestyle things that you did when you, when you had a drink that you've associated with, like, how do you go back to that? How do you, do you want to go back to that? How do you engage? And if you don't have those tools or those practices, those frameworks to like compartmentalize or process or, or whatever, it's like, it's, you're kind of flying blind. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think that one of the traits of the masculine is in, to endure, to just right. endure. And, and the masculine will go to no, you know, to, to great lengths. Like there's no end to their capacity to endure. But enduring is also sort of sitting in the thing versus actually saying, okay, I, I, I can feel this through to completion and this experience can actually evolve inside of my body. That's much more of a feminine trait. Mm. So a lot of this also has to do with like the feminine energy, which is, you know, energy in motion really. And emotion That's why we associate emotions with women, but of course men and women, and we all have these, these masculine feminine dynamics within ourselves. But I think a big part of the work for men in particular is to start activating and, and making contact with and creating a relationship with their own feminine energy. Hmm. And Benjamin, maybe you can share a little bit about that because he's he was very far on the spectrum of you know dominant alpha male masculinity when we met and has has come a long way in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's taken a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies to really, um, you know, release this incessant need to control and manipulate and force um, and really step into deeper trust and allowing and surrender. Um, and so it's just, it's been for me, a lot of times people have like these crazy transformations overnight. For me, it's been the opposite. It's been, you know, layers of an onion and just unpeeling another layer of fear and insecurity and and stepping into greater trust um but it's just been a it's been a relentless uh journey and i i can it's a never-ending journey but i'm on the other side of the heavy lifting i've i've moved the boulders out of the way and now you know 
I'm, I'm, I'm moving rocks and hopefully I end up moving pebbles, but, um, it's been, it's been a, a relentless and beautiful experience and, um, yeah. Yeah. And just an example of the kind of the before and after of that work, when, when, when he started on this path, he couldn't connect emotionally to like the beauty of a tree, for example, just to get really basic, right? Like to see a tree and be like, wow, that's a living, breathing organism and it's beautiful and I can feel the beauty of it penetrate me. It just wasn't available to him. He was like, well, that's a tree and I don't really care, (laughs) right? There was a real disconnection there. And I think part of that is all of this repressed shadow material, all this unexpressed emotion that's just creating this buffer. It's like this massive buffer that really disconnects you from your aliveness and your capacity to feel the profound beauty and gratitude of the moment. Yeah. I guess I would just clarify. I could see the beauty in it from like an intellectual perspective. Um, But, but I I was able to get to a place with this work where I could actually feel it, where I would like, it would, the, the beauty, I would feel it in my, every cell in my body, right. Where I would just walk out the door and the beauty of the environment would just give me goosebumps all over. And so I was able to really that feminine energy to, to feel um, things mm-hmm. that I would could only tap into intellectually. Uh, and for me, you know, there's, we're not trying to convince anyone to take any plant-based medicine. We're not, we don't think it's for everybody and see your doctor and all that stuff, but it was the tool that worked for me uh, to really connect with the universe in that way, to just blast me open uh, and have that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Working on receiving, you know, the, the, that, the, that feminine for sure. Any ideas for people who are maybe further along in their process, you know, they've got their body attuned, they're feeling good. They're feeling fit. You know, they're maybe thinking about changing their career to something that's maybe a little bit more nourishing or, or meaningful for them. And then, then imposter syndrome comes in and they're like, Oh, that, I can't do that. Like, I can't be that cool. I can't be that aligned. I can't be that uh, purposeful. Like I'm just, you know, uh, what do you, what do you say to people who experience that imposter syndrome and that like full stop, you're not good enough. This, this isn't for you. Well, I, cer- <laughs> I certainly resonate with that. Um, you know, there's one to have the insecurity and lack of self-worth to think you can do the thing. Uh, I think for me, imposter syndromes is when you actually achieve the thing and you feel like you only got there out of sheer luck. And so Mm. I I resonate with that. You know, I grew, I I was a very successful entrepreneur. The first family business we started together, you know, we had 1800 employees doing a couple hundred million dollars in revenue. And I very much felt like an imposter. I felt like we got lucky and um, it, it brought up a lot of fear and insecurity for me. The more we created, the more anxiety I had because um, I, I, you know, I was just continuously getting lucky. And really uh, it was the work with the plant-based medicine that allowed me to move through that again. And what happened was I was able to, I didn't understand where that was coming from. Like, why, why did I feel this way? I didn't have a good thing to point at. And so I was able to get to the root of it and realize, you know, I had severe learning disabilities as a kid. I could barely read. And for me, it was just like a challenge um, during that time. If you asked me about my childhood, I'd say I had no trauma. I'd seen the psychiatrist and, you know, you're good, you know, like, I I don't know why. And, uh, but, but as I did this work, I was able to discover that this little boy that couldn't read um, that that experience was really traumatic and, and I didn't feel safe in the world. And so because I didn't feel safe, there was no matter, no amount of material wealth or, or accolades or external validation was going to make me feel safer. Um, And so this anxiety was just kind of in me. And until I got to the root of it and actually was able to feel like viscerally feel like I am actually good enough. I have a lived experience of that in a ceremony was I able to actually move through that and actually step back and say, wow, uh, I'm actually not an imposter and I'm actually smart and, and you know, um, and got a lot of support from friends and family and, and there was some luck built in, but I was able to really step into that like worthiness, mm-hmm. um, but it was getting to the core of what was driving that unworthiness. 
And the worthiness was also a key component to being of service and really living his true purpose. Cause he had said he wanted to live with more purpose for many years, but didn't actually take the action to do it. It's kind of like what you're describing this hypothetical person, right? Like there was a desire and intention, even talking about it, but like something was blocking him and he didn't know what it was, you know, from the outside, it kind of looked like, Oh, I just haven't found my thing yet. Or there was a, you know, a sense of like, well, maybe like, in his realm of what he knew, it was, well, I could write more checks to charity, right? But like, that's not really gonna do it for me. And, but all of that was just surface. And then it took a couple of years of the deeper layers of work to get to the real core of it, which was how can you be of service when you don't feel like the things that you've achieved in your life that you could give away are actually even earned, mm-hmm. right? So so if you gave them all away, you would be you wouldn't be able to recreate the success that you so sort of, you know, inadvertently got lucky with. Uh, so that was like the deep program underneath all of it that was getting in the way of him truly stepping into, into having more impact. Hmm. <laughs> People listening, just shaking their head, you know, they're <laughs> driving like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. That's me. Um, what question have I asked? Have I not asked that, that you think is important or, or what, what part of the work that you guys do um, have we not delved into that you would like to share? Hmm. Well, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I guess what I would say is going back to your earlier question around, well, you know, if you're in partnership in a romantic partnership and your partner's not willing to do the work, um, we talked about what that scenario would look like, but I guess I also just want to, you know, put into the space, like what the possibilities are when you have a partner who is willing to do the work. Mm. Uh, and maybe your current partner isn't, but your next partner is because you're calling that in. Um, and we have a really beautiful soulmate manifestation meditation that you can get on our website. If you read the book, you can get the link, but the, the potency of our individual purpose when we came together and we merged it and we said yes to the journey of becoming together as a team, there was such a rapid acceleration of everything that we were doing on our own. And a big reason for that is because being in your intimate partner is the one who sees you most fully, right? Mm -hmm. Like your intimate partner can see the parts of you that no one else can see that you yourself can't even see which is both triggering and also a huge opportunity for growth because all your blind spots are illuminated through this reflection of this other person. And if you're willing to get uncomfortable and be transparent with each other in, in the relationship and you're willing to sacrifice the, you know, the, the comfortability of the moment by being honest in, in sharing what you see and receiving what the other person sees because you respect each other, then the up levels are just like quantum if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, it's like being given a magic mirror where you can all of a sudden just see all this shit that's not, no one's ever been able to illuminate before. Mm-hmm. And there's such a beauty in that dynamic. And we really believe, you know, we, we at the beginning of our book, we sort of say, well, there's many different paths of becoming and there's no one right way. We're going to focus on the two avenues that have been most impactful for us. And one is the avenue of psychedelics and plant medicine. And the other is the avenue of committed partnership. And those are two modalities really or vehicles for transformation. And I don't think a lot of people think of their romantic partnership as that. Mm. But if you're listening to this and you are in partnership and you have a partner who's willing, or you're calling in someone who can be on that journey with you, you know, that slinky effect is really real. And I think the, the power of, because of also, it's also the power of polarity, right? The power of opposites. In order for there to be a romantic connection, in order for there to be sexual chemistry, there's gotta be some form of polarity. And that polarity, again, gives you just an expanded perception or experience of life through this other person. Uh, So I I guess I would just share that that's certainly a part of of the, yeah, the the way of looking at the world that, that we really believe is powerful. And we're seeing it more and more also in our community that there's these really beautiful partnerships that are emerging. Um, So don't underestimate Hmm. the, the power of that the dojo of the relationship itself. Yeah. And I guess the way I'd answer that question is we define becoming as devotion, 
to the process of becoming who you were designed to be by radically embracing your greatest challenges as curriculum and savoring the full spectrum of life and death. And so I guess I'd focus on the, uh, the part of, of embracing your greatest challenges as curriculum. And so I think something fundamental to, to the way we look at the world and the work we do is really knowing that the universe is going to give you curriculum so that you can grow into the highest expression of yourself. And if you pass that curriculum, what is the universe going to do? It's just going to give you more curriculum, more problems, more challenges, which are really traction for you to grow. And when you start relating to those challenges as curriculum, and when something that you would perceive as negative happens to you, you know, a challenge, a roadblock, an obstacle, when you stop relating to it that way and you start saying, okay, the universe says I'm ready to eat, to grow into a higher expression of myself. And so it's giving me this curriculum. Um, you know, Wayne Dyer has a quote, life gives you an exam and until you pass it, it gives it to you over and over again. <laughs> right. Uh, and so like when you pass the exam and we get, we all have these moments where like, I figured it all out. Life is, life is grooving and you know, everything's jiving. And then all of a sudden you get hammered and it's like, here we go again. <laughs> but we, we, te- we tend to take those moments and, and, and get depressed or bummed out or whatever it is. But when you look at it and say, amazing, I'm ready. For, like when you, when you, when you, when you graduated seventh grade, what happens? You just get thrown into eighth grade. And when you graduate extra, you have a final exam. And if you pass it, you go to ninth grade and that's how life is. And when you start relating to it that way, you're like, okay, great. I'm, I'm meant to learn something. What am I meant to learn from? It, it, it makes it all a lot easier. And so I guess that's, that's how I would answer it. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, it's and so many people because of the last two years, because of the, um, the impact of the media and a culture I put in quotes, you know, there's plenty of adversity right now. Everybody, we're all, we're all in this together as a, uh, as a human community and there very well may be some very serious, very practical issues that people have to navigate through, right? You know, money things, resource things, you know, uh, uh, health things, whether real or created, but there's all sorts of opportunities to face some of those challenges and then choose the attitude that you take to move through it. And, you know, for some it's an existential crisis and for some it's, you know, how am I going to make money to pay, to pay bills and feed the family? There's a challenge for you. There's some, there's some karmic lesson there to, to, to work through and, and your, and how you see it, how, what your attitude is, as you approach this thing is everything because you could roll over and just disappear, but that's not going to help anybody, including yourself. Um, just a couple more questions before we, before we wrap up, you know, you mentioned community and, and I think that you know, similarly to where we started about when the universe gives you a sign, a little breadcrumb, you know, I love the idea of talking to somebody um, in line at Starbucks. <laughs> um, you know, I think for folks who can't quite put shape or form to who they want to become or what their sort of tribe or community is, uh, what do you, what do you suggest people do who are looking for uh that community that will help them move forward in their life. Um, does Facebook suffice? Um, you know, do you, do you start a local community? Like what, what have you seen work for people uh, to either join or cultivate a community that's aligned with who they are becoming? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it, there's so many different ways to answer that question. And again, I think I'll just say like, don't underestimate the power of your intention. So if your intention is to call in aligned people, like, and then, and you're receptive and willing to receive, they will find you in some way, shape. It might be through Facebook. It might be through having a coffee at Starbucks and talking to someone in line. It might be through something totally random. Like I had dinner with a girl yesterday who, how we met was I was walking. I never go shopping, but I was on the third street promenade in Santa Monica randomly. I wasn't even supposed to be there, but I was walking down the street and um, I, I walked past these two girls sitting outside at a, at a cafe and it, the promenade was packed. It was like a busy, beautiful day, but something about these two girls just caught my attention. Like it felt like their energy was just beaming this beautiful radiant light. And so I kept walking and I was like, well, I want to go talk to them, but 
do you people do that anymore? Do you just go talk to strangers, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, fuck it. Like I get to create my own rules. Worst thing is they'll reject me and be weirded out. So I went up to them and we got in conversation. They were like, Hey, you know, we're, we're down to hang out. And I was like, well, I'm having a party. So they came to the party the next day and, uh, turns out. So long story short, one of the girls, ended up meeting a bunch of people at my party that ended up plugging her into a whole different network, a whole community of people. She ended up sitting in a ceremony and going on a whole like massive journey of transformation. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know, what she shared with me last night was that she had just moved to LA. She didn't know anyone. And she was like, I'm going to manifest myself friends, like good friends. So she went <laughs> on Bumble BFF, which I didn't even know existed. And she was like, I'm going to organize hikes and girls shopping trips and just like see who shows up. And so that day was one of her Bumble BFF like hangouts and only one girl showed up, which was the girl she was having <laughs> lunch with at the cafe. And so when I walked up to them at first, they thought that I was part of the Bumble BFF oh thing. You know, God, I had no idea awesome. that was even a thing. But this is just an example of her intention was so powerful and she was willing to take action with the tools she had. And the universe was like, I see your action. Mm. Let me like, you know, let me exponentially accelerate the results that you want to create, you know? And next thing you know, she's, she says that date completely changed her life. Mm. And, and so I think I just want to continue to hammer home the point, like you are going to magnetize towards yourself, that which you are vibrationally holding inside mm. of your beingness. Mm -hmm. And so get clear, you know, if you want to do the soulmate manifestation exercise, that's on our website, but you want to apply it to tribe. Maybe you already have a great romantic relationship. Maybe you want to call it, call in aligned soul allies, soul family. It's still the same process, right? It's getting clear about what does it feel like for this to already be real? How can I celebrate that it's already real? And then how can I walk through life being a fucking magnet for that shit to find me? Mm -hmm. I'll also add to that. I said, sometimes the universe um, kind of tests your resolve. I think. And so sometimes you say, oh, I'm, I, I, I want to call in, you know, new community, new tribe that are more heart centered or whatever you're calling in. And, and then your, your, your buddy, who's not any of those things reaches out and then you end up hanging out with them and the universe is like, okay, he's not ready to actually hold this. And so there's also an element of, of saying no mm -hmm. to create the space for the yes mm -hmm. to show up. And so there, there's also an element of like, if you're really calling that in, then sit your ass home by yourself if you have to, but don't go in the opposite direction because the universe isn't going to support that behavior because you're not that energetic match. Hmm. Yeah. Ask yourself one, another essential question with everything you do, is this bringing me further or closer to the person that I say I want to be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes it means, yeah, not hanging out with a whole group of friends that is just not really your full fuck yes anymore. Yeah. Oh man. The power, the power of no, uh, it's so underutilized, uh, that, uh, that's so great. I mean, just, <laughs> she sets up a bubble BFF and the universe sends her Azria, like, come on. <laughs> no. And she, she just had dinner with us last night, but she's more tapped into our entire community now than even we are. Uh, it's crazy. She's literally had by saying by that one connection, she now has like an entire tribe of people. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, before I ask the last question, this is so much fun, you guys. Um, I'm so, so, so grateful to be able to sit and chat with you. Um, uh, before I ask the last question, which is a fill in the blank, um, would you, where do you want to send people to go? Where, where should they go find you online? What, what, what should they do? So becoming.me with a Q is our website and that really is the best place to connect with us our instagrams are also at becoming and then azria becker and benjamin becker um we have a bunch of really cool content on our website that people can receive if you plug in your email you get free content to, for the three stages of becoming uh if you want to buy the book highly recommend that you can also get it on audible if you're more of an audio book person and then our applications are open currently for the two processes that we described earlier. So depending on where you're at in your journey, that might be a fit. Um, but yeah, ultimately, we just want people to, to do the work, you know, to join the family of, of heart-centered humans that care about themselves and each other and the planet. Beautiful. So this is going to be, uh, so I, I do this, I've done this, you know, now 
come knocking on 200 times, I've asked this, this same fill in the blank question. So I guess with the two of you, I'll have each of you kind of decide what your answer is. And then you can kind of, you know, rock, paper, scissors for who goes first. But uh, based on everything that you know, the lessons that you've learned, um, this can be on the nose with what we've been talking about, or this can be totally random, but uh, invite you to fill in the blank and you can elaborate as much or as little as you wish, but please do. Everyone would benefit from knowing that life is a fucking gift. Um, what it feels like to be loved. <laughs> Beautiful. What a great way to close out this, this episode. Benjamin, Azria, thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you so much for having Thanks us, brother. Thanks for having us, brother.